0: cults do a great job of helping us frame up life life is chaotic and unpredictable and scary and hard and and it it gives us a framework to put it all into categories whatever the categories of that cult right whether it's all going to be fixed with essential oils or it's all going to be fixed by abraham hicks telling you how to fix it or whatever it is right your guru like telling you to write yoga poses but you line it up in the, in the little boxes that this group tells you to put them in, and it makes sense of your life, and there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Inside Community Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Mesritz. If you lived in any community for any amount of time, I'm sure at some point a well-meaning friend or family member from the outside world has wondered, are you actually a member of a cult? There's something about being a group of people that chooses to live together outside of the normal single-family home that seems strangely isolating to the mainstream. Meanwhile, if you live in a community, living in a single-family home in the mainstream seems strangely isolating. But it is still a good question. There are lots of different kinds of cults out there, religious, political, some are very well-meaning, and some, not so much. If you've spent a lot of time on podcasts or listened to or watch any true crime shows, certainly you've seen things come up around the Nexium cult or the Manson family or Osho's group, the Rajneeshis, or countless other infamous groups. But are cults bad? Or do they have something to teach intentional communities? Well, my guest today has a unique perspective on this because she's actually a big fan of cults when they're not harmful and co-hosts an incredible podcast where she dives deep into all different types of cults, breaks them apart, and investigates what really makes them work. She's going to come and be with us today and talk about the pros and cons of cults and what to look out for when you're a part of a community and you might be just a little concerned that you're becoming like a cult. We're gonna hear from our sponsors and then come back for an introduction to my conversation with Jesse Stone. Coho US is the hub of the cohousing movement, convening individuals and organizations with a shared vision for intentional community living. Expert led courses and forums on the Cohousing Institute provide the skills and expertise to build and sustain your community available both live and on demand. Join Coho U.S. for the Commons, a monthly gathering space for the cohousing curious, the 10th of every month at 10 a.m. Mountain. Learn more at www.cohousing.org. For more than 50 years, communitarians, community seekers, and cooperative culture activists have been sharing their stories and helpful community resources in Communities Magazine. Over the course of the magazine's history, Communities has published essays and articles from community all-stars, future thinkers, and wisdom keepers on virtually every topic related to forming, maintaining, living in, and even leaving community. You can gain access to all back issues in digital form, plus receive current print or digital issues by subscribing now at gen-us.net slash subscribe. A complete article index, community index, and issue theme list are all available online to help you find the inspiration you're looking for. Down in the Ozarks, Jessie Stone lives and loves with her young son, Solace, two dogs and two cats. Jessie is an artist, writer, and maker, and has lived her life immersed in the wide variety of subcultures. Sharing these experiences through her art and storytelling is her passion. Her latest venture is the new podcast, Cults I'd Join, with co-host Amorin Link, now rounding out its first year. Jesse Stone, welcome to the Inside Community Podcast. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me
0: and for making
1: this wonderful podcast in general. Yeah, well, we have a shared love of uh, community and and an interest in, in the weirder aspects of it, I think as well, (laughs) the possible weirder aspects. (laughs) Um, I, I love to start my interviews asking my guests to tell me a little bit about their community or their community experience. So, so where, what, what is your relationship to this wild world?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll try to be concise. So I, I grew up in like an end of the world, uh, Church, um, I now know that people would call our church fundamentalist. Um, so fundamentalist Christian, end of the world, no TV, no social security number, all those things. Um, and you can, I talk a lot about it in my podcast, so you can hear more about it there. But so I grew up in that, um, wore a lot of plain blue dresses. <laughs> um, and then, um, I ended up uh, just out of high school. So my family left that church. That's a whole thing. Um, and then um, my parents kind of went mainstream and I but, you know, my parents basically joined a cult as adults and then like did it for a while. And they were like, well, that was crazy. We're up. But like my siblings and I were raised in it. So we weren't kidding about like the theology of our church and our community experience. Like it was like a dip in the pool for my parents, but it was like our formative years. <laughs> so when they left, I really missed the community. Um, And so when I was a teenager, I was, uh, my mom had gone to the farm, I'm sure you're familiar with the farm, the farm in Tennessee. Um, She had gone there to have me. So we had all the old farm books from that time. And uh, we were saying, one day at the kitchen table like oh I wish I wish that there were still communes this isn't like the late 90s I wish there were still communes like the farm that would be so nice I wish they still existed uh because this is also before the internet you know and as we're saying this we're literally sharing a jar of Eastwind peanut butter which is uh Eastwind is part of the Federation of Egalitarian Communities and and it happens to be like a hundred miles from my house which you know so like we're like bemoaning that communes don't exist anymore. And then I'm like, I think, I think here's one. <laughs> like, <I'm> just, <laughs> Cause the label is like, we're a worker owned cooperative. You can come live with us. <laughs> and I was like, I think, on this peanut butter is actually a commune. And so ultimately, like, long story short, I ended up moving to Eastwind when I was uh, 19. I went to a rainbow gathering first, talked to people at the Eastwind kitchen there, um, ended up at at Eastwind. I don't name Eastwind in my own podcast only because like, they didn't ask me to, I didn't ask them to, you know, they, they had a, they were featured once in National Geographic years ago, which is something all the prisons, subscribed to <laughs> and so they got like a massive influx of prisoners wanting to come because it was like free drugs and free love and there was a naked girl in the article and like yeah when i got oh, wow. out of prison this is where i want to be so anyway i it's not a secret that i i lived at Eastwind. it's uh it's just something i don't out loud say on my own podcast because i'm not trying to give them promotion that they definitely didn't ask me to give them um so all that said Eastwind was my um intro into a secular community and I really went in looking for another religious cult and I was constantly disappointed that they like they wouldn't like have any communal songs or have an identical tattoo or wear the same outfits and I was always like you guys let's all just know one song and they were like no <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but from Eastwind I I joined the Amish for a while I tried the 12 tribes I I got very into the fec uh you know for anyone who doesn't know that's the federation of egalitarian communities so within the communities movement the fec is a pretty large uh chunk of communities uh in which we income share and our members can kind of cycle around to the different communes in our network really easily um so i've i've spent time at twin oaks and acorn and sandhill and dancing rabbit places like that and and by virtue of that, I've I've run into and because I like joining cults, I've I've been in some others as well. But that's my kind of commune history. Um, and right now I live in the Ozarks of southern Missouri. That's where I'm from. Um, and now I have a kid with some dude here. So <laughs> I'm kind of stuck here. But I live in a little hundred year old cottage and have a, the best boy in the world. And. I run a farmer's market and have a podcast, so I'm pretty happy. So that was maybe longer than you needed, but there you go.
1: Well, I mean, the reason that I asked you here is because, obviously, I enjoy your podcast, first and foremost. The cults Thank I, you. That's I cool. joined podcast is is great. Uh, one of my friends, actually the co-director, Kim, at the FIC, Shared it with me. She's like, this is really cool. We should talk to these girls. And um, partially because I know a lot of the communities slash cults that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, that's and what's there's so some fun. that
1: yeah, it's so fun. And then just to hear sort of like the inner workings and the details about them has been really interesting for me. And also as a communitarian, to see the places where cults are like communities, they're just sort of you know, extra. They're extra. (laughs) In different ways. Sometimes, sometimes some really unfortunate ways, sometimes some really amazing, cool ways. So, you know, I'd really love to get, yeah, I'd love to, to get into, you know, maybe even what communities could learn from, from cults, but let's come back to that. And first of all, start with what makes a cult a cult?
0: So I wrote down your questions and I wrote down my answers. And this one um, is obviously kind of the crux of my whole show, right? Because who am I to say what a cult is? Who are any of us, right? Um, And so I looked at the actual definition first. And I thought this was really interesting because the definition in, like the Oxford Dictionary is a small religious group. That's the first thing it says. It's a small religious group, which I thought was really telling, right? Because if it were a big religious group, we wouldn't call it a cult. We call it like the Baptist Church up the street, right? So I think often people get labeled a cult simply by virtue of being small. Then it says "Not a part of the larger mainstream." again, if it, like it, it there's so much room for interpretation, but it's small, it's religious, it's not a part of the larger mainstream. And its beliefs are considered by others to be extreme and or dangerous. So that's the definition. But here's why I thought that was really interesting, because uh, what's a cult? Well, we all have a different definition of what that is, right? And I I think a cult is only a cult when other people call it that, generally speaking, Um, Mm. by which I mean, like we did a whole episode on on the podcast about uh, the garden in Tennessee, which is like the most stereotypical little starting out hippie commune. You could go to any any little starting out hippie commune on any wheel of time, and it would pretty much be exactly what the garden is, right? Like they're just figuring out what their rules are, what they're not, who's going to live there, what their thing is. And it's great. And it's a nice little commune. But it's called the TikTok cult, and it got its own episode on Vice because they, they got some fame on TikTok everybody exploded and said they were a cult simply by virtue of them being small and outside the mainstream. They're not even religious, right? And then everyone said they were a cult and they like got the law called on them. They got their kids checked out by CPS. Like they got all this trouble for a quote being a cult. So like they're not even religious in any way. They're fully secular small community, but they're small, they're outside the mainstream. Their beliefs are quote extreme in that they want to sh- live together and share, right? And so they were labeled a cult. So I just think I think a cult is what whatever people label as a cult. Hmm. But, you know, really briefly, they're they're generally harmful and have a leader. <laughs> Those are what you want to stay away yeah. from.
1: Yeah. 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 I I the other thing that I'm wondering, I I for the listeners, I sent Jesse the other day this link to this woman on TikTok. Uh she's at Julie the Systems Gal. And She's got a whole thing right now looking at this, what she calls a baby cult, Um, this organization. Phase Two, I think is what it's called. Phase Two. Yeah, 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 Um, yeah. Which is like this kind of um, idea of, you know, you create your own reality. We're living in a simulation, uh, you know, kind of combining abundance mindset and a lot of these sort of like new age sort of mm-hmm. hippie. And I don't say that and new age and hippie as a disparaging thing. I just say that as that's where I associate these kind of, um, you know, you can manifest your own reality and don't be a slave to the system kind of thing. Anyway, this woman, Julie, has been creating a bunch of content about this baby cult. And part of what I thought was interesting about how she was looking at it was this, this element of separating people, like, It's not just outside of the mainstream, but it almost necessarily separates. Like, in order to be a member, you have to pull away from the mainstream and pull people Uh, from families, communities, religion.
0: Yes. Because that, you're right, that's the whole point, like, is to say, I am separate from you, right? Because otherwise, you just, again, you go to the Baptist church up the street, but like anybody who wants to be fervent in any of their beliefs, political, spiritual, whatever, you, if you're going to be fervent in your beliefs, you have to step back and go, I am separate from you. You're the world. I'm not the world. Yeah. 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 So what What?
1: What are some of the different kinds of cults? I mean, you're talking about religious cults, but I mean, they can't all be religious or are they? I mean, you've talked no. about the Manson family and I feel like the Manson family didn't seem all that religious to me, although I don't really know that much about,
0: <laughs> about them. And as D- We can, as can stop right now do. and do Manson trivia if you want, because I can answer anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, absolutely not. And I wrote a little list here of just like off the top of my head, uh, different kinds of cults that are, are pretty typical. Certainly, there are religious cults. And I want to say, like you said about the New Age, I'm not using cult as a derogative term either. And in fact, most of the groups I talk about, I don't consider to be cults. I, I wouldn't. It's considered such a derogatory term and it can get people in so much trouble if they get that label slapped on them that I wouldn't seriously call people a cult until they're genuinely talking about like group suicide or poisoning the water. You know, like it would take me up there to for me to derogatorily call you a cult. Yeah. But in a looser sense, you know, we're talking about this as a generality and I don't mean it as a slam to lots of groups. So there will be lots of groups that I cover. Who, who, I mean, I don't want to hear somebody cover East Wind but, uh, under something called Cults I Join because it's not a cult. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I, and if I were listening to it, I'd be like, how dare you? You don't live there, you know? So I don't want to do that to other people either. And so, um, sorry, I will come back into this, but let me just pause to say this. When I started this podcast, I didn't go and listen to any other podcasts about cults because I didn't want to unintentionally be vamping anybody else's style or thing. And so I was probably the whole first season in before I went then and looked at at like who else was in my genre. And that's when I learned that I'm the only like pro cult person. (laughs) Like everybody else is like cult, spooky. Look how weird they are. And I'm like, and so then you get these balloony pants and you get to wear them. (laughs) so, (laughs) So We are not looking for the same things in life, me and the other people in the genre. So all yeah. that to say, coming back to the different kinds of, of what people would call cults, right? So there's the religious, obviously. There's the political, right? Certainly, like, you could call QAnon a political cult. You could... But you can always, you can go all the way out and say the army is a cult, right? They all dress the same. They have an extremely strict hierarchy. You know, like you certainly lose friends when you join the army. Like you, it's not hard to label lots of cohesive groups a cult, right? So, but there are political cults. Um, There are certainly racist cults, right? There's Christian identity. There's the Aryan nation. There's uh uh, the clan, the clan would count as a as a religious cult. They talk about some matching outfits, right? Mm-hmm. One size fits all, all pale people, I guess, for the clan. Yeah, uh, the yeah. Proud Boys, whose idiot leader just got sentenced to prison because he's dumb, right? So that's those are all all racist cults you've got uh the human potential cults and those are the ones you were kind of just referencing the like you know abundance thinking and and manifestation thinking nexium would fall into the human potential um cults right i didn't list sex cults but i guess nexium would fall into sex cults as well um you've got MLA. you did you didn't one on on ohm the uh oh yeah the one touch yeah yeah (laughs) yeah one
1: touch (laughs) Right. I mean, those, who? I feel like that's different, though, because it doesn't I mean, I don't know. I Not that there's not like group houses, but a lot of times I think about when I think about a cult, I think about to me, it seems like a residential, but maybe it doesn't need to be a residential community that lives together. Like even the clan, it's like, no, they're all members of this organization um, that definitely is extreme, definitely is harmful, definitely has uh, some severe ideologies but they are they still involved in the mainstream. They are among us, you know? So it, it's, it's sort of like one of those interesting, like, are you still a part of the mainstream or have you fully turned into uh, pulling away?
0: So I um, would say a couple of things about that. I would say number one, I mean, yes, living communally is certainly like uh, in the top five of ways to spot a cult, right? But you you do, don't think you have to, although in one touch, they did live communally. It just didn't seem like they did because that wasn't the part of their group that they promoted. Um, but they, they did live communally. And in fact, like they forced bed sharing, which is real culty. Shouldn't do that. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so I, I think let me see if I can word this right. I think that if you are in a group and that your allegiance to that group of people or that ideology supersedes the rest of your actions in life, your relationships with your family, your friends, the way you treat people, whether or not it's harmful to you or the people around you. If if your allegiance to that group or that thinking supersedes um, the rest of how you live your life, I think you're in a cult whether or not you live with the other people. And I would also add that, you know, the clan's a good example because certainly they're among us, and yet I would wager that the clan doesn't, I would wager that those people think of themselves as not in the world, right? Like, I, th- I would guess they think of themselves as separate. Of course yeah. they think of themselves as separate. They go burn crosses on people's lawns, right? They separate themselves yeah. mentally that's yeah. how they're able to do that to people. And I think that that's, you know, certainly a lot of the Nexium people, some lived communally with each other and some did not, right? But uh they still got branded, <laughs> you know, because their mind and energy was devoted. It was all in. And they cut off their families. You know, so you can live uh amongst the world and not think of yourself as a part of the world we covered um the finders in our first it was like one of our first episodes um and strangely it's people's number one favorite it's the one they always mention to me but the finders are out in Culpeper uh Virginia near Twin Oaks um and they they considered themselves to they had a leader they and the leader said that all of life was a game and so then he would just change the rules of the game sometimes. And so these people had like nerd jobs, like computer jobs in D.C., right? And they made money for the community in which is squared full-time jobs. But they considered themselves to be spies for their yeah. game they were playing. Huh. So you would never know that they were... They're just like you at your dorky computer job, you know, working 40 hours a week. But to them they're spies and they're following a game master and they can leave whenever they want just quickly the others you know there's new age there's mlms right if you're if you're spending your whole family's income on on your mlm you've you've nudged yourself over to the side of cult right um, there's the actual magic cults, oh, man, like people ER are gonna hate People are people are gonna love slash hate to hear,
1: <laughs> hear somebody say well, that. I I have so many sure. friends who are involved in M- and MLMs and Human Potential. Like there's a lot of people who are who've done Landmark or have been a part of those kind of, um, even Tony Robbins. You know, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't call Tony Robbins a cult. Uh, but who are so fervent in their desire to grow and be better as people that then they, it does seem like it takes over a lot of their um, reality in some way. So I think same thing with MLMs, you know,
0: that's a hundred percent the case. And, and, but again, that's why I really want to be clear. I'm not using cult derogatorily and I'm being light with the word, you know? So like, Please don't take offense if you're a Young Living salesman. And we did cover (laughs) Young Living as one of our our quote cults, right? Because like, I also like frankincense. There's nothing wrong with it, you know, and I'm have have a great time. And uh, Tony Robbins seems like he's got some great ideas. Um, Are you in a part of a group think? Sure. I'm I'm not suggesting it's bad. I'm interested in the sociology of each group, how they are interested in each other, how they close in with each other how it affects their behavior and their sociology that's like what's it like inside of this group for a day in the life that's what I'm really interested in and so you know my show is called cults I joined because I would join any of these little culty cults but you know are you're really into Abraham Hicks I might call you a cult for purposes of talking about how you within your group work with each other but I like Abraham Hicks I don't know Totally.
1: I love Abraham Hicks. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> got some great downloads
1: <laughs> from Abraham Yeah, Hicks. right?
0: <laughs> well, that got
1: me through some tough times. Seriously, seriously. I, yeah, really, really helped me make some sense of some major things in my life. And I think that's one of the interesting things about, I mean, you kind of touched on it earlier, is that there are these, these elements of truth. I mean, I think it's for any, well, I'll, I'll rewind to say, a lot of what's come out in the media especially over the last, you know, 10 years or so since since our Trump was in office really was how more extreme ideologies seed themselves in our being and then and then grow and and frequently they have these kernels of truth that feel very real and very irrefutable and then i think in the worst of those circumstances they get sort of extrapolated and then well this means this and this means this and this means this and then all of a sudden you're kind of like wait the center is now 100 yards yeah. that way how did that happen <laughs> like right now and i'm so- believing all these amazing things that maybe i wouldn't have necessarily believed when i first started on this journey so because now i have this secret information uh, now i have no. now i have the information that nobody else knows
0: so That's so true. And it's so, you know, listen, when I grew up in the cult I grew up in, I loved feeling like that special. I loved thinking like, only we know the truth. Like, we're literally God's chosen. It's a war. And we know we have the weapons, you know, like, that makes you feel really important, which is why like adult men go by used fatigues and start their own militias because they still like feeling that important, right like mm. you and that's an extreme example, but we all want look cults do a great job of helping us frame up life. Life is chaotic and unpredictable and scary and hard and and it, it gives us a framework to put it all into categories, whatever the categories of that cult, right? whether it's all going to be fixed with essential oils or it's all going to f- be fixed by Abraham Hicks telling you how to fix it or whatever it is, right? Your guru, like telling you the right yoga poses, but you line it up in the, in the little boxes that this group tells you to put them in and it makes sense of your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, we need that. And I've, you know, as a person who grew up in a Christian ideology, um, I don't mind to use Christian ideology today to go ahead and plug my life into those Christian boxes. It's, it's what I'm, it's the knowledge I'm steeped in and I'll just find it useful. I have outgrown the belief that my spiritual upbringing is any more wisdom filled than anybody else's in the world, but I'll just go ahead and use the framework because it's just as useful as the other 50,000 religious frameworks. Um, So I think, you know, But what you just said is like you get five steps in and it's really helpful. You're at a great church. You're in a great yoga group. You're in a great MLM, whatever it is that you're a part of. But yeah, then somebody somewhere is always going to take it to the extreme. Right. And and if you slide down that path with them, now you've set yourself up to be a member of what people would call a cult, even if there's just two of you, if you're if you're now making bad choices for yourself or others which lots of people do
1: yeah yeah well I mean so let's dig dig down a little bit here because you talked about sort of the sociology and and I wanted to ask you about your your quote-unquote favorite cults but I'd love to have a little bit more of a picture painted particularly around a cult that is um residential, you know, one that people live in. And Uh like, what makes, what is that? Like, what, what is that life? What is that? Like, what would one person expect from your classic, typical, definitely a cult? (laughs) Possibly (laughs) not, possibly not in a nice way. Like, really, like, what are the things that we're really looking for when we're, when we're thinking like, oh, this is a cult. Like, we should be, we should have our, (laughs) our sensors up. Um, because I think for a lot of people who listen to this show, you know, well, I'll say this at, at the Emerald village, my, my last community, um, people would wonder if we were a cult very regularly, people, people who were not connected to the communities movement. Um, Mm -hmm. and we had a little joke that we were actually 50% less hippie than people thought we were because we were still, all of (laughs) us were still very much involved in the outside world. It was just, this was how we chose to live and raise our children and create safety around us and security around us, but it wasn't because we were pulling away and we had mm-hmm. some shared ideologies, but it wasn't like, it, yeah,
0: we didn't share a religion. Yeah, that's a we secular didn't... community.
1: Yeah. 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 So so when when people are joining a community or wanting to join a community, people who are listening to this podcast or even wanting to start a community- how can they, what should they be aware of as they're moving through? And what's it a good example of, of a, of like, this is classic
0: cult check. If, if you're looking for a cult, such as myself, what you really want is like, so what you said in the beginning of this conversation, defining yourself as separate from the world. I think that's actually the number one thing you're looking for when you go to join a cult. I really do. Like, You want to say out of rebellion or out of self-protection or out of whatever it is, you want to clearly define yourself as separate from the world. I mean, even we as girls go get bangs if we need a change in our life, because we want to outwardly make a sign that says, I've made a change, right? Do you see these bangs? Something has changed in my life, right? See that I've dyed my hair? Something has changed in my life. And so- I think when people are joining a cult, they're looking for that kind of group. They're looking for something that says, you know, uh, what did the Manson family do? They carved X's into their foreheads to say, I'm X'd out of your world, right? So when you're looking to join a group like that, you want something that says, I'm out, right? You want a clean break from the rest of your life. And so when you're looking for that, a cult saying you should cut off your family is usually like something you're pretty down for, right? Like Because if you're joining a culty group, you want a dramatic change. You want it to be all-consuming. And maybe that's another good definition for cult. It's all-consuming. Like you just said, in your secular community, you have lots of ties to the outside world. You have jobs out there. You have people out there. It's it's not weird to have your mom over, you know, but a cult is all-consuming. There is not an outside world. There's just the people inside. You don't talk to your outside people very much. You don't keep close relationships. You don't have an outside money source. You probably don't have a private vehicle or private possessions. Um, you know, so, and so <laughs> when you're looking for that kind of group, you want, you want the clothes to say I'm, I'm separate, right? You want the, we all wear black. We all wear smocks. We all cover our heads. We all braid our hair. We all shave our heads. Whatever it is, we all do it. So we're all visibly one thing and not all the rest of you. We look like we look, right? Um, I liked when I lived with the Amish and I would go into town and everybody could see exactly where I lived just by looking at my clothes. I liked that that preceded me. Um, I did not like when I lived at East Wind and I would go to, well if I went to our small local town, people still knew we were because our legs weren't shaved, but but we didn't have matching outfits and I really hated that. Um, Yeah. So I, so a stereotypical cult, you want communal meals. You want uh, the perception. Those people are your family, not your co inhabitants, right? They're your family. They're taking the place of your original family. So you want shared meals. You want, a matching aesthetic, you want shared lingo which all groups have, the army has it, communes have it, churches have it, schools have it, but a shared lingo inside of a cult is another way to separate you from the outside and make you feel really tied to those people that you have your inside jokes, only you get it you have a language that nobody else understands and so those are the things so a a day in a cult well you've had three communal meals together you've worked with other people you feel really integrated with the other people you believe that you're working for a greater purpose and so work doesn't feel like work it feels like you're pulling for a team those are the those are the nice things about being in a cult
1: Hey there, Communitarians. I hope you are enjoying this conversation with Jesse Stone. We're gonna have a few words from our sponsors and then be right back. And I hope you stay to the very end because Jesse has some amazing and hilarious stories that she's gonna share at the end of the show. So stick around.
2: Hey everyone, my name is Daniel Greenberg and I'm so excited to join the FIC as co-director. Every year, close to half a million people visit IC.org, seeking community through our free online directory, as well as our bookstore, programs, forums, and other valuable resources. That's truly amazing and makes us, and hopefully you, very happy. And we're still a nonprofit, and we need your support. With the decline of course registrations in the post-COVID economy, we're now in the position of needing to raise $45,000 to make it through 2023. The good news is we're poised to take a quantum leap in our engagement with our networks and the world. Imagine a North American Communities Council meeting at regional and international gatherings. Imagine expanded networks and groups and more resources, courses, and events to bring a greater sense of community and belonging to millions. It's all possible. But to get from here to there, we need your financial help today to support our small yet dedicated team that works tirelessly behind the scenes to make it all happen. The threat of closing our virtual doors after 36 years is real. Please, go to ic.org donate today and give what you can to ensure our online directory will remain free and updated. And so we can continue offering unique and helpful resources to everyone who envisions a more just, resilient, and cooperative world. That's ic.org donate in case you missed it. Please contribute today. Thank you.
1: CADIS is not your everyday architecture firm. Their interest in regenerative and community supportive design has cultivated an expertise in intentional and co-housing communities with a focus on rich and healthy human experiences. Design excellence and pragmatism are at the core of their work as is an ethic of service to the client and natural or urban environments. Cattis is a leader in sustainable design, zero energy homes, passive house, and delightful neighborhoods. They are experts in grassroots community engagement and apply attention, sophisticated design, and creative solutions to every project. If it's worth building, it's worth building it well. Find CADIS on Facebook and Instagram and at cadispc.com. That's c-a-d-d-i-s-p-c.com. Yeah, it's like you can see how, how quickly it becomes like the, the double-edged sword where abuse of power and yes some of those things. It's like, oh, yeah, you're working for a greater purpose. You're also free labor.
0: <laughs> you're also... Yeah, you know? Right now I'm getting ready to cover in Cults I Join the Hutterites, which are a communal version of the Amish. So they're Anabaptists, same religion as Amish, but they live communally rather than separately. So the Hutterites, um, it's a worker-owned cooperative, same as uh, the FEC. They're all worker-owned cooperatives, right? So when you live within a worker-owned cooperative, you don't have personal private belongings. You don't have your own car. You don't have a fancy bike that nobody else has. You dress from the communal closet, which is called commie clothes in FEC terms. But you know, in Hutterite communities, very similar. It's a worker-owned cooperative. You don't have a private income. You get a small stipend for like whatever your little personal luxuries are, chocolate, a movie, little things like that. But 95% of your uh, labor, of 100% of your labor goes to the community and the community's money. And then the community has stronger buying power like their Walmart. They get everybody health insurance. They have communal cars that they upkeep, communal meals. They give you clothes. They send you to the doctor. This is true in secular FEC communities and the Hutterites. But I say that to say uh, Hutterites uh, have been hit with some lawsuits because people in the middle of their adulthood who were born and raised in the community want to leave. They have no resources to leave with. They've worked their whole lives, but they don't have any savings. This would be the same if you grew up in a secular FEC community. And so the Hutterites are like, okay, well, you're welcome to leave, but good luck to you, you know, and same for FEC. Um, You were saying, you know, you're free labor. I, when you live in the community, you're being paid for your labor. You have every need met, but when you walk out, whether you're in a cult or a secular community if you're income sharing are you owed something or are you not because you got to go to the doctor you got you all your needs are met all of them it's wonderful it's a high level of of well-being in life but when you walk out there's nothing right mm-hmm. so is there labor being exploited i don't know i never felt my labor was being exploited in community but i chose i didn't grow up in it Hmm. But all my bills were paid. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It. It. So yet again comes the question of the cult. It, you live in the twelve tribes. You work in all of their businesses. You would leave with nothing, right? Most people would agree that twelve tribes is a cult. Um, there are a large network of messianic communities all over the world that also interchange their members and change their names and kind of cut off their families. Um. Most people would agree that they're a cult, but, and, and most people complain that they're exploiting their workers' labor. I don't know. I mean, I live out here. All of my income that I make goes to just living. It's no different than in a community, except I have a safety net in community.
1: Yeah. 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 I think it comes back to that, like that piece around autonomy, which is, right. you know, you in In the default world, you have a savings account and you get to decide how you want to spend that money. You get to decide if you want to go on a trip to Paris or you get to decide if you want to move to another part of the world or have a different experience, whereas inside of a, a cult or even possibly some of these egalitarian communities, you don't have the same access to those freedoms, those abilities. And that's absolutely true. Unless the community decides that you get to do something, you don't get to do that thing. No, you know that's absolutely true. And again,
0: you get like your small stipend, you know, so you could save your smalls. But let's say when I lived at East wind in the late nineties, I I worked forty hours a week and I got sixty five dollars a month. (laughs) You better not start
1: drinking (laughs) or smoking or like I don't know having a chocolate habit.
0: Yeah, that's what everyone's money went to was those two things. Mine went to my long distance bills because that was before uh, cell phones. But oh you gosh, know, it's it's a yeah. higher stipend now, but it's it's comparable with inflation. Yeah. It's comparable, um, you know. But you don't. If I wanted to see a therapist, I'd see a therapist. If I wanted a professional right. massage, I'd get a professional massage. If I wanted to jump in a car, I'd jump in a car. You know, technically, I had more access to resources living monastically like that than I do out here trying to make enough money to live myself. Right, right, you know, so I don't have a savings account now, either, <laughs> you know, because I yeah. just don't have that kind of money, but you know, and slight praise for the f e c when you leave the f e c you can petition the community to give you a a small leaving fund to help you get started, but it's a popularity contest, whether people vote to give you leaving money or not it's not it's not expected that you would get that.
1: Yeah, and I also wonder about, I mean, it's one thing to be raised in that if you were joining um, as an adult and you had like a nest egg set aside before going in, you know, I would think another thing that would make something, in my mind, culty would be if you would be expected to give up your nest egg. You know, I think, and when you talk about living monastically, like a nun or someone like that, like when they join the church, they give, you know, all that, all your, resources I think the same with 12 tribes actually oh absolutely yes it's like you're expected yeah anything that you have goes to that community now there's not your safety net if it doesn't work out is gone
0: it's gone no that's a that's 100 true and I will say again in praise of the FEC uh they simply ask that you suspend your outside resources right so they don't ask you to give them to you to them ever but you don't access them. And I like that because the whole point is that we're trying to be egalitarian. And my experience in community was that I was a poor kid and FEC communities are mostly stocked ponds of rich kids. Um, and so I I did not like, you know, rich kids still have a million invisible resources. If they want to go to Europe, their parents will buy them a ticket to Europe so they can live in a monastic lifestyle and still they have invisible resources. Mm-hmm. If you're poor, yeah. your resources are visible. They're your shitty car, or they're your, you know, like little stack of money that you have, or your good bike, you know. And and then you're expected to live equally, even though they have vastly more resources than you. They're just not visible. Um, which is to say, uh, the FEC does not ask you because it's not a cult does not ask you for your resources, but they do yeah. ask that you freeze them so that people can attempt to live in an equal way. How successful that is with rich kids living there is debatable, but they're doing their best for egalitarianism. And I I like that. Um, but yes, if you went to the 12 tribes, if you went to Zendik Farm, who again, um, I would call a matriarchal cult, but uh, isn't religious, or their, religious, their religion is being a Zendik, <laughs> right? Um, they take all your resources when you walk in the door. My ex-boyfriend from Zendik lived there for, I think, more than 10 years, was uh, in their band, made them tens of thousands of dollars. And when he left, they gave him a pocketful of change and kept his dog. <laughs> they made oh, him just no. walk off the property. <laughs> oh, wow. They kept everything. They keep everything. And that's, that's a real red flag. <laughs>
1: Well, I want to I want to get into the other half of the question about, uh, you know, like some of the the bad, the, ugh, the like the more challenging <laughs>
0: aspects, like the red flags, I guess, with with cults. The nice things about cults are shared meals, um, groups and songs and sayings that that you have in common, which I already said. But um, those are things that feel so good and connected. Uh, generally, cults have really good food which is, you know, those are reasons to stay. Those are lovely things when, you know, the 12 tribes recruits uh, at like fish lots and stuff and rainbow gatherings, and they have like a really cool bus and it's full of their good food. And people always say like, Oh, that's a cult. Don't get on the bus. Don't get on the bus. And I'm like, the bus is where the tofu sandwiches are. You should definitely get on the bus. They're not kidnapping you. (laughs) Like, that's Yeah, no, you should get on the bus. They have hibiscus tea in there. So I don't like, None of these groups most cults will let you leave. It's a rare cult that actually won't let you leave, but um you know but but it becomes hard to leave when you are getting such fundamental needs met as feeling like you have a family and having a language that other people don't speak and having clothes that define you a certain way and make you feel really special and good about yourself. It's hard to let those things go. Um when you go into kind of the darker parts of cults yes they are actively exploiting your labor right they are um pushing you to work unreasonable amounts of time or in unsafe conditions or they're literally if you're children of god like forcing you into prostitution like there are there are ways that they can exploit your labor that isn't debatable you know we can debate whether Uh, income shared, you know, working communities are exploitative, but you can't debate if your cult leader says that you have to be a prostitute to support the community and to bring in male members, right? Like that's, and the Manson family did that, right? That's how they always had a place to stay, right? That they got kicked out of the Beach Boys house because they kept giving, (laughs) they kept giving the Beach Boy, they were staying with gonorrhea. (laughs) So they they had to move out of the Beach Boys house. (laughs) Um <laughs> I didn't know about that, <laughs> I still love them, but yeah they they definitely did that. that's definitely I think it was didn't they live with I think it was Brian Wilson that they lived with anyway, oh gosh, yeah, they would go dumpster diving in his Rolls Royce and it was all so fun and so fairy tale and so so just spontaneous, but yeah, gonorrhea, not fun and spontaneous so Mm-mm. puts puts an end to the fun um if you're you know obviously a lot of cults end up having some kind of weird sex thing, right? Like Nexium is a freaking self-help group. And yet, if you follow it all the way to the end, you're getting branded and sexually assaulted by your friends and your leader. It's just a self-help group. It's an MLM, right? So, like, there, the dark side comes... And I said this later on, you know, like it sounds cliche, but really what you want to do when you're in a group like that is listen to your actual gut because it makes you nauseous when people start pushing your boundaries in unhealthy ways. Right. You physically if somebody keep, if you keep saying I have a personal bubble and somebody physically keeps reaching past it anyway, it makes you uncomfortable until they break you down. If people keep trying to exploit your labor or they keep taking all the money in your bank account, or they separate your children from you. You know, these are great ways to go like, Hey, this makes me actually not physically feel good. That should be yeah. a sign to me that, that this, you know, but the, the ideology, if you're growing, if you're joining an unhealthy group, grabs your brain because the ideology is uh, anytime you're feeling uncomfortable. That's your worldly self
2: Mm, that you're supposed mm -hmm. to
0: kill, right? If you're in the FLDS, right, the fundamentalist Church of Latter-day Saints where there's polygamous marriage, which I grew up around polygamous marriage. I, I like the model of it. But in a group like that, where it is super culty and unhealthy, right, the whole point of polygamous marriage to them is that you are supposed to, it makes you, it is your salvation, to get over your jealousy and your difficulty with sharing your husband. That is your salvation, right? And so then the point is, I think the fundamental point of any cult is telling you, don't listen to your gut. Listen to mm-hmm. us instead, right? Mm-hmm. If you feel jealous of your partner being with another person, kill that self, that part of yourself because that's your worldly self-talking and your salvation is in not listening. Oh, you you feel attached to your kids? That's your worldly self, right? So once you get, if you can stay in the sweet spot of a cult, like, I spent a lot of time in the 12 tribes, but I didn't join the 12 tribes, right? So, like, all, I stayed in the tofu sandwich bubble, which is a great place to be. I got the cool clothes. I got, like, this beautiful setup, and it was awesome because I never went past tofu sandwiches. Into, like, you know, changing your name, changing my name. I would have loved to change my name, but you have to get married to do that. So I definitely <laughs> wasn't going to go that <laughs> far. Um, <laughs> but right, you want to change your name because their names are noticeably different, they're very heavily Hebrew names, right? So you are Hezekiah really not as an outsider, yeah, <laughs> not even. I mean, like, Mevaser, you know, like. <laughs> way on out there like you know so as long as i'm jesse which is even a biblical name i'm not nobody's under the illusion that i'm all the way in right right you know but i i can't get all the way in until i get married well now i'm really locked in yeah right now i'm following the rules and the number one criticism of the 12 tribes is that they abuse their kids well now i'm yeah. having kids in the community because i wanted the right name now I'm I'm no longer at the tofu sandwich level. If you can stay yeah. in the sweet pot spot, a cult can be really fun. And some cults manage to stay in the sweet spot, but power corrupts. And if you give one person too much power, most of the time, you get Keith Raniere.
1: <laughs>
0: at the end well, of the tunnel. yeah, and
1: I wanted to ask you about that about uh, about God. There's so many. There's so many paths to follow. I want to ask you about cult leaders. I know. I want to ask you about the sweet spot. So let's, I want, let's, I'm going to bookmark, I'm going to bookmark the sweet spot and okay. let's talk about cult leaders and okay that aspect of this. Like, does a, does a cult need to have a leader? Cause a lot of times I just assume that they do. I think about Osho and his like crazy right hand yeah, woman sure. sidekick that was kind of running the show for a while. And I mean, obviously yeah. Charles Manson, uh, you know, but do they all have a leader like that? Because I, I I really associate – when I think about cults and I think about them in the negative context, I almost always it's, – it's really about an abuse of power or manipulation, yes. which is what you were just talking about, is like convincing people to bypass their own good sense or their own moral compass for the belief that their good sense and moral compass is somehow rooted in evil or sin or – worldly values and so th- the the idea of like the charismatic leader as the one who's kind of guiding and showing the way just seems part and parcel for what a cult is
0: yeah me. um oh, I, I totally agree with you and i think when we have a cult pictured in our head, it almost always is the manson family right because they're so damn photogenic um <laughs> And so we, you know, we picture, or we picture uh, the People's Temple with Jim Jones, right? Or, you know, certainly there are these very famous, look, a cult gets famous usually by doing something devastating, horrible. right? Yeah. You're, you're a member of the Branch Davidians and our government slaughters your whole community and your all the women and children, right? Or you, you join Jonestown which I definitely would have joined, it looked like so much fun. And they're in California, just going to a cool, extremely diverse and open minded and progressive church, right? Like, uh, notably diverse for the time. And then all of a sudden, like, they move you to fucking Guyana. And then they murder you, right? Like, that wasn't even a group suicide. Those people were murdered in the jungle. And so that's how people get There are tons of cults everywhere that aren't ending in mass suicide. And so we don't or the government killing them. And so we don't they don't make the radar. But so the ones that do have always had a charismatic leader. And so certainly, A, that's how we picture it. But B, yeah, that's that's definitely the most dangerous, scary cult. So as you were saying that, I was trying to think because that is my picture of a bad cult, too, is, you know, has a leader. Certainly has a hierarchy, you know, when I was living in the FEC, which is specifically non hierarchical by design, like there's not even a person's name on the land, the land is held in trust by the communities at large. And if a community disbands, it goes back to the larger organization. There's no end stop person that gets the money, or the land, there is not one, right. Um, And so that is a nice safety feature, I think, for communities not wanting to be culty, right? There's no way to scoop up the money or the resources if you structure yourself with no hierarchy. Now, does someone have to manage ordering the food in the kitchen? Yes. But they don't get paid more for it. They don't get more clout for it. And so all that person is doing is taking on more responsibility than they have to. And so then you're not power hungry. You're just volunteering to do a job that somebody needs to do. So, so. I always think of a cult as primarily having, as you said, a hierarchy, because without a hierarchy, I think you escape most of the dangers of sliding down into a bad position. So, yes, I think most of the time, I think I think it needs a hierarchy and perhaps a single leader to be a notoriously bad cult. But I was trying to think of examples of cults that don't have that. And I did There's think of one that's actually... Oh, yeah, they have a very strict hierarchy. And they don't have a singular leader, but they do have a singular founder who they consider to be the ultimate one guy, right? Okay. Um, not their god, but their their highly revered founder. Mm -hmm. So the way that we as Americans might go, well, the Constitution meant this, this was the intention, they would go, Well, David meant this. See? Got it. Um, And I think that's children of God is like that most groups. So you don't necessarily have to have a charismatic one person, but you do have your one focal point person. I mean, even the farm who is not a cult has Stephen Gaskin. Everybody followed Stephen Gaskin out like that. Nobody was there not to follow Stephen Gaskin. right? Right. Like he's the one that wrote all the books. He's the one that did all the things we can all argue that his wife is actually cooler and more powerful and we'd be right. But, um, you know, they're not a cult, but they still have a right. charismatic leader. It doesn't hurt to have one. They get a lot done.
1: Are there any residential, like live in cults that you can think of that have had no leader? Like, no, I mean, it just,
0: just doesn't seem. So like a communal group that doesn't have an express leader. I don't I mean I I probably could if I looked around. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I will say this though, the culty group that I grew up in. I'll say this actually. Um we had a leader, a clearly defined leader, Brother Bill. Um and but Brother Bill believed in a um 12 elder system, because it says in the Bible that no one person should ever be in charge of anything because it's too much just through their lens. Right. So there should always be like an elder system. 12 tribes has an elder system. Many groups have an elder system. So Brother Bill was our leader, but he led by keeping the elder system in place. And the 12 elders made the decisions as a group, which kind of yeah. kept us on an even keel. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, because the CSA that was our our neighbor community had like a 30 day standoff with the feds right because they didn't have a 12 elder system (laughs) they had one crazy person at the top making ridiculous decisions and by the way thought he was a sovereign citizen and didn't pay his mortgage and that's why they had a standoff um but my church had a leader but he didn't send out decrees which is why he was well loved um when he and and so we went along happily for many years, even though we were like end of the world, militia, crazy people, too. We didn't do anything extra crazy because we had these 12 elders kind of like just, you know, trying to keep us balanced as we went along. When Brother Bill died, the 12 elders each wanted to be the only leader of the church. There was so much infighting that one person took over the church stood up and read a list of all the families who like didn't want his leadership, wouldn't explicitly obey everything he said. Told them they could leave the community. My family was on that list and now he is leader of that group. So oh, wow. so we lived communally um in houses the changed. church owned. And then this and then our leader died and we got a, a power hungry leader and it disbanded the, the group as we know it. Hmm. Hmm. So, you know, so we lived without, we kind of had a leader, but kind of didn't and it was okay. But having a leader really ruined it.
1: Yeah. I just think it's so, it's so interesting. I hope that people who are listening to this can hear the places where there's like, okay, these are some of the red flags, you know, are you, Is there an extreme hierarchy, not that a hierarchy is necessarily an evil thing, but is there, you know, a overly charismatic leader who might be asking you to do things that you're not comfortable with, who's asking you to um, override your good sense and own moral compass? Are you being asked to separate yourself in an extreme way from your outside connections, from your family, from your... Financial resource, uh, you know, are you being asked to change your appearance? Like some of these things that could be could be seen as kind of the cool parts, but also could be real indicators if you if you don't want to join a cult maybe you do want to join a cult. Some <laughs> right. of those things seem really exciting and appealing to you, but if you're not interested in joining a cult and you go somewhere and everybody's wearing the same thing, <laughs> maybe you should <laughs> take note. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the, about those sweet spots because I do feel like, I mean, you know, I, I, it's one of the things I really enjoy about how you talked um, in your episode about the 12 tribes because I feel the same way about them. I'm like, they've got great food, they've got, you know, (laughs) I don't see the problem. (laughs) They've got like kind of these (laughs) awesome homespun clothes for anybody that has never interacted with 12 tribes they're all over the place they've got um little restaurants called the yellow deli and it's like it's like dining in a tree house with these like yes! yummy lamb sandwiches and mate they don't drink coffee they just drink them. they're like yeah, super hot mate. for mate <laughs> <Right>? um, <laughs> they are <laughs> and like homemade bread like delicious homemade bread and they're the sweetest Ugh. They're such sweet. Oh, they're people, lovely. The people
0: that work there. <laughs> so, they're wonderful. Yeah. And listen, behind closed doors, they're still sweet. They're just yeah. wonderful. I loved it there so much. And that's, you know, I advocate for people join all the cults you want, just stay at the tofu sandwich level, right? Like, if, look, this is the same thing I tell people about uh, possibly working in the sex work industry, right? Totally opposite, like, wing of the world. But I did work in a, uh, club for the gentleman uh for a long time and that can be a great job too or it can be like a life wrecking horrible job and i would always tell people and i would tell the same thing to people looking to like check out the more culty side of the communities movement if you trust that you have strong boundaries and a strong sense of self you should absolutely go stay at the 12 tribes and whatever the rajnishis are doing now and like you know all of these crazy cool things because there's so there is so much beauty in them people don't join these groups because they're feeding you low protein gruel and taking over your mind they join them because there's genuine love there's great food there's so much joy it does feel good to work for yourself and your community as opposed to some corporation that means nothing to you you know it when you work in community you never look at the clock you're not worried about you know getting off your shift because you're still at your house you're still with your friends it's it's so much more organic to your life right so if you trust yourself enough to know that you have a strong sense of yourself and your boundaries so that as You can go as far into the Amish or the 12 tribes or whoever you're or Zendik farm or whatever it is that as you want to go and you trust yourself when somebody says, now you're going to sleep with Bob and you go, Bob's not my jam. Pick someone else. (laughs) Like if you trust yourself to get up to that and not sleep with Bob, no matter how much the leader is like, but we like Bob and you're like, Bob isn't for me. If if you or or the leader says, you know, I think it'd be a great time for you to give us your car and you go, I'm sorry, that's my car. Like whatever it is, if you trust yourself to get up to it and draw the line and walk away if needed, you know, I've lived in a lot of culty setups where I might or working in the sex industry, certainly where my boundary was pushed. And I I just was able to go like, oh, no, thanks. I don't want to do that. And honestly, 80 percent of the time they've been like, oh. (laughs) OK, <laughs> you know, like they very rarely does somebody actually try to force you into anything so you can actually get pretty far into a cult and still keep your ideals intact. And but you have to trust your boundaries. And if you don't think you can trust your boundaries, you shouldn't go near those places because that's how you will lose yourself. That's how you'll shut off your family. That's how you'll lose resources on the outside world and not be able to leave when you want to that's how you get into those situations is when you don't trust your boundaries. So if you feel comfortable staying at the tofu sandwich level and you know, you can trust yourself, then there's so much beauty to be shared in going into communal groups, um, who are extremely communal the way that cults are or culty groups are. It's, I've, it's nothing but enriching to me and I love it. Um, which is why I made a podcast about it. Um, but again, like if you don't trust yourself, then you need to protect yourself and be in a place that's safe. And I'll say this other last thing about it, which is it's my strong belief. And I think I say this in the podcast a lot, but I strongly believe that probably nobody or almost nobody would just choose to join some of these more negative cults. I don't think anybody is like, you know, what sounds good to me is skinheads like I really like their you know weird suspenders and their shaved heads (laughs) I really like how they street fight a lot like I don't think that people are like this sounds great I think that people are lonely they're smart enough to see that the mainstream system doesn't work for most people and definitely isn't going to work for them and they bump into whatever group they bump into when they're in that space and if it's The Nazis, or it's the Rajneeshis, or it's whoever, or it's Jonestown. It doesn't matter who it is. If a Mm. group, a cohesive group that you and you want a cohesive group, a cohesive group says to you, We'll take you in. We think you're great. We think you're as smart as we are, not like the rest of these dummies. You just go. And so to me, probably the biggest message I would want to get out in my own show is that all these groups are so beautiful, but hey, you can get all those needs met in a secular community setting. You can get all those needs met. Yes, I had to beg people at East Wind to get matching tattoos with me and they wouldn't do it. But you know what? <laughs> I taught them a couple songs. So, you, you know, but hey, I got my communal meals. I got my by nights around the fire circles I got my deep close friendships because I lived with people and you can't not be close when you live with them. You know, I just I truly believe we probably wouldn't have the massive movement of uh racist youth that we have today if those kids on their path could have bumped into the FEC or even the 12 tribes before they bumped into some like asshole racist kid up the street. I think that you're looking for something, you take the first group that will take you. And, and, and then you want to be strong and loyal. Um, Yeah, you know, and that's, that's that cult thing, again, that always tells you any thought that you have that isn't in line with us is the devil, or it's the world, and you've got to kill that off. Avoid that mindset. Avoid twisting it to where the outside world, any contrary thought that you have to the group is the outside world getting in. If you can avoid that mindset, and I still have that from my church growing up, I still feel extreme guilt taking my son trick or treating, even though I completely understand that it's fine, right? (laughs) But then my brain is like, yeah, that's what Satan wants you to think, right? Like, (laughs) no, we're dressing up (laughs) as Ninja Turtles and we're going out. So I get that, but but now I've learned to go ahead and go trick-or-treating anyway, right? I'm going to yeah. live my life. Even if I can't get the voice that I learned from the cult out of my head, I'm still going to take the steps to live my healthiest life. Um, and so, yeah, it, I just really believe I that people in harmful groups, or even if you live in a group I think is lovely, like the 12 tribes, but it has become unhealthy for you. Because your husband is abusive and they don't stop him or, or whatever it is. You want out for whatever reason you want out. You want a TV, whatever it is. If, if you've come to a place in a group where you don't want to be there anymore, but you can't stand the thought of missing community, there is community fully accessible to you without the bad parts. Now, humans can be dicks anywhere, but not without the control. You can yeah. have freedom and community. It's just fully accessible. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. I
1: just I see the like the the trap of I mean whatever the extremist group is I've I heard a lot um, around kids being radicalized like radical Islamic you know cults or or you know who are basically yeah. they're lonely they're feeling separate they're feeling disconnected from the people around them, which is, I mean, that's, I mean, we are living in a time of a pandemic of loneliness and, and it's,
0: yeah,
1: it's talked about on all on all platforms and all medias that people feel lonely. They feel separate. They realize that this game that we're playing isn't really working and they're looking for something else. And it's very easy for those people to fall victim of extremist ideologies because they seem to offer yeah. a lot of solutions, so I love this sort of word of caution around, yeah, knowing oneself well enough to know, like, w- what is your motivation for wanting to be involved in in a community? And um, are you are w- are you so desperate for that love and connection and real human and both human contact and meaning making in your life that you would yes, be willing yeah. to sacrifice your own?
0: spirit your own beliefs in order to have that with people.
1: And I love I love that. And that's that's the definition that. of
0: joining. Yeah, any any religious community certainly, but even perhaps a secular community, because you do give up a lot of autonomy, even just joining a secular community. Um often, especially income sharing. Income sharing is an extreme form of communal living. Um you don't have to go that far. But um yeah, you can you can meet those needs without the the hierarchy and the danger of getting lost in something and yeah like you said even even if you're going into a group who maybe on the outside you can go now this does seem like a cult but i'm gonna go ahead and dive in it's not necessarily bad you just should define your boundaries on your way in
1: i mean and i think that's true even in in any community I think it's I mean mm-hmm. I'm I happen to be a fairly well-bounded person but I also one of my um very traditional words of wisdom to people who would co- who'd be new into our community was like you're going to need to really get some strong boundaries because communities frequently um you know they are places where you could just pour all of your life force and the community will take everything that you have to give. And people would often Mm -hmm. come in and just like give and give and give either from a sense Mm -hmm. of real belief in what the mission was or also a desire to belong or a desire to fit in or a a desire not to disappoint or a desire to do the thing the best that they can or whatever the thing was. And it's like, you have to be able to say, I can work this many hours a week (laughs) towards Mm -hmm. this project and then I have to work on myself. I have to be able to rest. I have to be able to, I, I call it helium hand for anybody like if that watches a video of this later. That's sort of like, <laughs> I'll slow do that. <laughs> it's
0: like, no. That's really funny.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to be able to say no. <laughs> and if you're not a person that can say no, you really need to start cultivating your no before you join any kind of, uh, you know group or community or cult or organization because a lot of the a lot of places will take everything you have and kind of you know you can become a victim very easily in that in that reality
0: so true and you know maybe we should talk for a second about green flags right because i know like like the first when i went when i moved to east wind as a 19 year old i had uh, left my car at home and kind of given away a lot of my stuff because it was my intention never to come back from community and when I got there, I said something about that. And one of the older people on the farm said to me, they were like really shocked. And they were like, who told you to give your stuff away? You absolutely should not do that. Like, you you don't know that you want to stay here. You should not give up your outside resources. You should not throw yourself into something. You don't know enough about this place. Like, that's mm. not a good decision making skill for you. Don't do that. Um, and I think that's I a really that. good green flag right? Like what you were just saying about telling incoming people, strengthen your boundaries. I will tell you this, nobody at the 12 tribes ever suggested I strengthen my boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) You would never hear that. (laughs) If that got whispered to me, somebody would hear it and rat that person out. You'd, you'd never hear that. That is a red flag. I think a good green flag is people saying to you, Hey, watch your boundaries. Hey don't give your car away. You don't know where you're at yet. Like, you know, I think, I think that's a good green flag that tells you the people there are not intending to take advantage of you. Yeah.
1: Well, let's, I mean, I I want to start to, to wind our, our conversation down, but I'd love to sort of get your opinion on what the big takeaways. I mean, I love the, the talk about the green flag. Like, what are the things that, communities in general could learn from cults like the larger communities movement could learn from cults you know where are the places that's like this makes this thing awesome like we should do this more aside from your matching tattoo idea
0: (laughs) i stand by that (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, you know here's okay i do think that the communities movement overall is so hyper focused kind of on not being a cult right because they're always getting accused of that and it's not what they're in it for that they sort of back farther away from that aesthetic or or look than they need to um for example when i went to visit the 12 tribes the first time i stayed the night there uh the little bed that they had set up for me had a little welcome basket on it and it had like uh, oh just a bag of like granola and a little bag of like dried fruits and so, some tea and then like a little note that said like, we're so glad you're here. You're a valuable person, you know, <laughs> like and I lived at Eastwind at the time and was in charge of membership. So I was in charge of greeting the new people. And I realized like, why am I not putting a welcome basket on the bed of every new person that comes in? What a lovely, kind community flavored gesture right so i definitely stole that from the 12 tribes and started doing it why wouldn't i do that but you know i in secular community they're so focused on process and function and not looking like a cult that they give up a lot of those like things that are very very nice about a culty group like the matching tattoos (laughs) or like or like knowing some songs, you know, Twin Oaks people know some songs that are all the same song and it's very nice. East wind is not down for it, but, um, you know, I think, I think what can they learn from, from more culty scenes? It's tough because most communes are actually, to my experience, tell me if you've seen this differently. I find that most communes are almost maxed at their population most of the time. Do you find that to be true?
1: You mean they have as many members as they can take?
0: Yeah. Or yeah, like there aren't many more extra bedrooms or resources.
1: I think that that was definitely the case with my community. Um, But then Mm -hmm. I also know other communities that are like, just we just need some more people. You know, like oh okay, yeah. We're I mean we haven't really put it out publicly here with what we're doing here, but we're definitely like we could really use some more people to be come and be a part of this because we're you know you need more bodies but
0: right I mean, could go so way. um you know cults recruit cults recruit um generally speaking i mean the amish don't but that's about the only one like they recruit um c- the communities movement for what i've seen i'm so glad this podcast exists for exactly that reason but generally speaking the communities movement does not recruit um and i don't think that they should like go on a full frontal offensive but I when, when I lived in community, I loved it so much. I would keep our pamphlets with me and just hand them to people I thought looked cool if I was out in the world somewhere. Mm. Because I just loved it so much. And and exactly what I said earlier, like, I feel like so many people are thirsty for it. I would just wanted people to know it was an option. And I don't think hardly anyone knows. I see joke memes all the time on social media that are like, hey, we should all like buy land and start a commune. ha ha," And it's like, yeah, or yeah, you can just you, open the communities should. directory and like <laughs> but you don't even need to because like a thousand other people have already done that and you can just right, move right. there. Like so I would like to see the communities movement or or if I were saying what they could learn from the, the more culty side of things, I, I think it would be nice for them to dialogue with the mainstream more because the mainstream A, doesn't know that they exist, and B, cannot differentiate them from cults, which is how the garden gets the cops called on them. So I would love to see a more mainstream push, not necessarily for people to come live there, but for people to understand what the possibilities are for them. And it's odd because most people in the communities movement will tell you their biggest activism is showing a living example of being outside of capitalism. Mm -hmm. And yet nobody sees them. Yeah who's not tuned into this i think rather idiosyncratic movement um so i i think you know maybe have a slightly more global view like these cults, you know what 12 tribes did when they got raided by the feds and their kids got taken away they immediately bought a building on main street in every town they lived in Hmm. because they were like oh we look like a cult let us put a front door that people can walk right through Right, and I'd love to see the communities movement have, have more access just for information, you know, I love just that. for maybe some tours.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I don't know if there's any like final little juicy tidbits you want to throw in, or other things oh. you want to you want to add. I know I'd kind of said you know, do you have any last uh, most entertaining stories, or just things you, you want did people to- leave here with. <laughs>
0: Um I wrote down a few short stories. Do you want to hear a couple?
1: I yeah, at least just one would be great. Your favorite one would be great. Let's let's do it. Okay.
0: All right, let's see. I'll tell you I'll tell you two cuz one is really short and they kind of okay. juxtapose each other. So, in the okay. church that I grew up in, which was called House of Prayer, like I said they were a very end of the worldy. So, I was at this potluck when I was younger. I I was a kid and all the women were uh talking, doing womany things and and <laughs> what they were doing was cleaning their husband's weapon caches. So they were like in their dresses, like cleaning all the guns and like making sure they're oiled and clean and not mildewy from being stored under the stairs. (laughs) Like, So they were giving, and they were giving like their best secret recipes for like mildew on weapons, right? Because all their weapons are hidden. And so they're doing this, but it's very cozy. It's very homey. There's like literally handmade bread (laughs) next to us. And, um, we were very closed off and watched TV or anything. And so uh, one, of, one of the women said something about Prairie Home Companion, the radio show on NPR right. with Garrison Keillor. And they said, oh, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's a funny thing on Prairie Home Companion. And another woman said, oh, I live for Prairie Home Companion. And then everyone froze for a second. And she goes, I mean, I live for Jesus, but I really love Prairie Home Companion.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Oh, that's great. That's probably my favorite culty childhood memory from my church. And then I had one that was from um, one of the FEC communities that I was staying in. Um, We have visitors come through all the time, and they often don't know how to conform to our social norms right away. And sometimes it really stands out. So in this community I was staying in, FEC communities always have like a big what's called a day board which is just everybody tacking up notes of whatever everybody needs to know. Like there's, we're, there's a canoe trip tomorrow, we're harvesting carrots at 10 in the morning. Like So people know what's going on, they can go plug in wherever they want to. Um, and there's a lot of um, uh, public nudity in, in our communities. And so <laughs> this visitor guy <laughs> wrote a big letter that said, um, I, I would like for the women who don't have perky breasts to like wear bras and shirts. Because I think it's really gross and it grosses me out. So, like, if you have a little perky breast, that's totally fine with me. (laughs) Me, random guy who just got here. Um, But if you have, like, gross, saggy or old breasts, I would prefer that you go ahead and just put on a bra and a shirt so as not to be gross. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my. (laughs) And what Uh, happened? so... Well, pretty immediately, like, a, a small army was dispatched to go find that guy and be like, hey, buddy, it's not going to work out for you here. And they found him hiding in the corn patch, because I guess he got word that people were looking for him. But we're a nonviolent in our bylaws, so nobody's <laughs> going to hurt him. But they were going to be like, let us give you a ride off this farm right now. And so... um they found him. They all motorboated the him with their big old saggy tits. <laughs> well, okay. So the, Just the titty aftermath. Slapped him. <laughs> right, that was essentially, so literally all the women took their shirts off and them and their kids went to find this guy. He was cowering in the cornfield. They were like, hey, get out. It's not going to work out here for you, which is not our process. But this guy. Yeah. You know, the writing was on the wall. So um, <laughs> what he did rather than leave was cross our boundary line and sit on the other side just off the property, like whoever else is like a field that was on the other side of our property line. And he camped there for like two weeks and was convinced that and then we felt bad for him. So we were like, do you want some food? We brought you some lasagna. And he was like, oh, you're all trying to kill me. So I don't even know where he finally wanted away to. But uh, in the result of that was the- That uh, the women were very much topless, uh, kind of aggressively for like the next couple of weeks. And then somebody kept making dairy-free everything as a joke. (laughs) So (laughs) those are some of the fun things you can look forward to if you live in a commune. Oh, that's so good. I
1: love that so much. Oh, that's so good. Oh, hang on.
0: Last one. Very last one. How I knew I needed to leave a commune that I was living in, I was really unhappy and remember I came from a Christian cult and I had not been out of it that long and so some guy there went completely crazy thought that he'd met god thought that he was god's prophet like this came out of nowhere he had been like the community accountant and was an atheist and then all of a sudden he was like i've seen god da 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 so he came to me and he was like yeah hey um god told me to poison the lunch uh because all these people are sinners except for you. So he told me to tell you not to eat the lunch, but like everybody else has to go. And I was so unhappy at the time. I was like, all right, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't eat lunch. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh. Oh my lord! If that's too much, you can edit it out. But those Did are only he... those are a what couple. What happened of to stories. him? What happened? He left to do a working vacation at another community. A bear attacked his tent, and then he just walked away on foot, and we never heard from him again.
1: Whoa! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! There's some kooky folks. There are some kooky folks out there.
2: It's a. it's is it's a. Wild it is one world. of the interesting
1: things about. Community is that it it's like, in order to really want to, in order to be so committed to the fact that like the mainstream default world doesn't work, you have to be like, and I'm going to do something different. And like, yes, to be that person, you either have to have a huge amount of internal fortitude or a huge amount of crazy. There's, well, I, that's exactly it. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and a mix of both is usually the recipe. Right. Right. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh well jesse stone thank you so much for sharing your your insights on cults and your very entertaining cult stories and it's just been such a pleasure (laughs) to have you on the
0: show thank you so much i love your podcast and thank you so much for having me it's really fun
1: are you ready to go join a cult now Or do you have some good ideas about the tips and tricks of cults that you can integrate into your community? I'd love to hear about how this episode landed for you. Please reach out to me on Instagram and Facebook at Inside Community Podcast. You can also find a transcript and show notes, as well as coupon codes for FIC courses and the bookstore at ic.org slash podcast. And while you're there, why don't you take a minute and hit that donate button? That is how we keep this show going. It's through your support and the support of people like you who just love this content and want to hear more and get more and see more. So, thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people who have donated. It just means so much to all of us. And thanks also to the people who do reach out to me on social media. I love hearing from you there. A big thank you to my guest, Jessie Stone. You can find her podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and in case you missed it, it's called Cult's I'd Join. Co hosted with her buddy, Amron Link. Jessie wanted me to give a special shout out to Devin Sproul, who wrote and created the theme song for their show and is also a very cool community lady. I hope this episode has been meaningful to you and helpful on your community journey. So much gratitude to you for being here in this conversation, and I look forward to next
2: time. Thanks. Who left the dishes? shared kitchen sink who helps out johnny when he's had too much to drink how do we find a way for everyone to agree that's inside community it's a podcast y'all